bring me shelter I will not harm you Bring me shelter, please Bring me shelter I will not harm you I would shelter you People would do anything for their families It could happen to anyone anytime Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo and when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees. I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. Good morning. You're listening to Refugee Radio, broadcasting from the unceded territories of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Today, in lieu of regular programming, we have a segment from the SIN program Refugees on Air, which bills itself as the one and only refugee podcast, giving refugees from all around Australia a voice to share their stories, hosted by Syrian twins Sarah and Maya Ghassali. Today, we're going to hear an interview that Sarah and Maya conducted with Somali refugee and author Abdi Aden, known for his novel Shining, the story of a lucky man. In the show notes for the podcast, Abdi is described as an inspirational youth worker who is very involved with the community. Um, and in the show, he discusses his journey and upcoming children's book. Seeing as this interview was first played in December 2017, I presume that book is out already. All right, let's get into the interview. Hello everyone, welcome to Refugees on Air. We are your hosts, Sarah and Maya. And today we have a very special guest, Abdi Aden. How are you, Abdi? Thank you, I'm very well. Do you want to just start off by telling us where you came from? I was born in Somalia Mm -hmm. and uh, I came to Australia when I was 15. Mm -hmm. So the war started when I finished grade 6, which is 12 and a half. So I came to Australia with no family. Mm. So... 15 and I couldn't speak English and um, I didn't have a lot of uh, friends and families. I Mm -hmm. came by myself, Mm -hmm. so I didn't come with my mother and father and sister. So it was very challenging learning a new language, new culture. People don't realize how much people just expect that. Uh, language is the only one, but uh, you have to learn the culture and the system and, and mm-hmm. everything. So school system. And mm-hmm. So yeah, and I came as a asylum seeker. I didn't know at the time, but now I do. And then I went high school after three months. Mm-hmm. And high school was very difficult uh, because even the teachers couldn't understand this is 90s. <laughs> um, so the teacher couldn't even understand the fact that the needs that I needed it. 
So yeah. the, the refugees were, before me, was Vietnamese uh, refugees yeah. where they came as a group and when mm-hmm. they come here and they got straight to housing where when I came, I went straight to people's houses. So, yeah, it took me 12 months to get to a place where I can call home. So mm-hmm. 12 months, basically one place, Collingwood to Brunswick, Brunswick to Munipon, Ascotval, to all in the city areas. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you describe your journey to Australia, the journey that you took by yourself as well? Well, the journey was quite, uh, I didn't realise at the time, but people always say it's really interesting because I left from Somalia, I w- went to Egypt transit three days and I ended up in Romania. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there almost 12 months yeah. um, before I came to Australia, but before Australia, I went to nine countries crossing Ooh, borders wow. before I end up in Melbourne. So I was in Romania, we used to cross the border, Austria, we used to cross mm-hmm. Yugoslavia, and now it's Bosnia and Croatia. Mm-hmm. And then you know, sometimes go to Russia to go to Finland, but then back to Romania, and then from Romania to transit to Germany. And when I went to Germany, the the Germans were returning people to Somalia because the president was ruling one side and then the other mm-hmm. people ruling. So I came straight to Melbourne. And uh, as I said before, Australia didn't really knew individual refugees. Mm-hmm. It was only like a group of people. Yeah, so it was difficult. As I said, I couldn't speak English. So one of the challenge uh, I find in Australia coming is that, as I said, yeah, English, no family. I couldn't sleep night time. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to describe, you know, all the Somali, the war, and, and also not knowing anyone I can talk yeah. to and things like that. But also I used to worry that I didn't have my residence. It took me three months to get to my temporary residence, and then the temporary residence, you're still not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it took me two years. Mm-hmm. So the, I think the challenge is just worrying too much. Mm-hmm. on top of everything else. So would you like to tell us a little bit about the volunteer work and the job that you're doing now? Yeah, um, the well, uh, my job now is not volunteer. Mm-hmm. It's a paid job. But the good question, I started volunteering when I was 15 mm-hmm. and it really helped. Whether you're a refugee or a young person, it would be nice to learn how to, things work, mm-hmm. such as, and if you volunteer, people can't actually get rid of you because you're a volunteer. <laughs> At the same time, you're learning. So that's actually one of the clever things that I've ever done Mm -hmm. as a 15, 16, 17, even 18, and then keep going back when I need it. So those experiences, in the end, will pay off Mm -hmm. because once you get a chance to get a job, if you're not performing, guess what? You won't be, you know, continuing the job. So what happens is that you need to be able to hold your job. I think that's why I probably become a very successful youth worker. Mm -hmm. So even to say it more, after I volunteered, uh, went to high school, the high school wasn't really that, you know, didn't work it out for me because English difficulties, barriers. So I went to TAFE for two years. Mm -hmm. After I finished TAFE, I went to uni. The two years TAFE become one year of university. Mm -hmm. So I knew that any chance and I've been well known my family you know if opportunity comes I'll take it you know Uh, you know and I'll try anything I don't have the word of failure I don't understand why people actually worried about failure Mm -hmm. because failure is supposed to be strengthening you just laugh at yourself and move on so I did the uh, volunteering went to my two-year diploma TAFE and then I did two hours work for youth work. So that was my first job, the youth work I got because my teacher said to me, there's a two-hour job 
I, no one wants to do it. Do you want to work this new year after young people? Mm-hmm. And and I didn't know what I'm going to do after I finished school. As an immigrant or refugee, often you find even if you finish school, would you get a job? That's the biggest worry um, we yeah. have. So I got the job and then two hours become four hours and then moved on to another juvenile detention where young offenders mm-hmm. and young people and then from there on I still doing volunteer work so two three hours a job a week and not mm-hmm. enough yep. and then after I finished graduated I got a job at Hume City Council mm-hmm. I was there Hume City Council for four years then I worked in Banksia Garden community mm-hmm. centre the west side of Melbourne yep. and then I got a job in uh, you know I, I just keep trying anything I can do and mm-hmm. after him city council I got very confident and I was running program newly arrived but 99% were Australian born indigenous migrant Anglo-Australian and then refugee came just before I left Hume mm-hmm. and then went to city of Whittlesea and I was doing the coordinating program mm-hmm. six years later after that did uh, go back to where you came from Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about later. I've got a, a publisher to write my story. So yeah. yeah. So would you like to tell us a little bit about the novel that you published? Yeah, I was very lucky because uh, I want to. You know, everyone wants to write a book, mm-hmm. and I like everyone says I want to write a book. But when the time comes, it's really difficult to write because I was writing things happened to me as a refugee. Yep. It wasn't like I was writing story about people in love, and that would have <laughs> been good, you know, to write. But <laughs> It was difficult to talk about myself. Being a man, it's very hard to write the negative side of the story, but also to talk about your weaknesses, you know. Mm -hmm. But I came to terms, I thought, being a youth worker, going to university and and involve a lot of programs like you guys are doing radio and that, Mm -hmm. I become very educated in a way that education is more important than hiding things about you know things that you don't want to talk about it so I got someone contact me and said do you want to write it and I wasn't sure and I, and I didn't know a lot of things about writing books so yeah I said to yes and I took the chance and didn't realize that the publisher was one of the biggest publisher in Australia mm. Harbour Collins and then I did that and, and then I left my job city of Whittlesea because of the public speaking job that I took and, and I thought, oh, you know, part-time job. I thought, oh, I'll have a go. Yeah. And then part-time job become a full-time. But the reason I also, to answer your question, is the reason I said yes to write my story mm-hmm. was about a few things. One is Somali people can learn about telling stories. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the war should they learn about it and reflect themselves and say, oh, really, this is terrible. And eventually... You know, stopping that. And the other thing is the stereotype of refugees in uh, Australia, mm-hmm. in general, the Western world, but in Australia that we live in. And the, the people have to understand as a refugee, I didn't leave Somalia. I didn't want to leave Somalia. It's mm-hmm. not like I decided to leave. I had a good life in Somalia. Yeah. But that's the story that I was really passionate to write it. And then my, I was hoping 1% uh, young people might read it. But now it just became huge. You know, sometimes mm. I'll be flying from, well, it happened to me a couple of times, but flying yep. from Sydney or Adelaide, someone's reading my book. I mean, <gasps> it's just oh amazing. Gosh. It's just quite, a, and you know, I've got airports and it's still there and, <laughs> and the posters. And, and w- the reason I'm telling you this is about empowering a lot of refugees to mm-hmm. value themselves, you yeah. know. And it took me a long time, but here I am, and it paid off, really. Mm. Everything I wanted it, even even more so, than mm. I learned a lot. Yeah. That's so your amazing. book, your <laughs> book is called Shining the Story of a Lucky Man. Where can our listeners find it? 
If you go to really a bookshop, you can order if they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, depends sometimes what they do is if they order a, a 30 and the 30 goes quickly yeah. and then they reorder. But if, if it doesn't go, they will send the other bookshops. But the best way to get it if you really want is a booktopia. Yep. It's quite good, you know, you can get even some of my friends who are ordering 50, I often say, or oh, people who wanted to buy 50 or I just order for them in Booktopia, it goes within the 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so all bookshops and the bookshops will order for you uh, if they don't have, but otherwise Booktopia. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you actually said that they've been installed in the curriculum as well in yeah, Australia? Yeah, it's a national wide, oh, yeah. but, but some of the schools often take a couple of years to mm-hmm. get rid of the ones they had yep. the technicality of it and it looks like uh, shining the story of a lucky man it, it will be i think next 10 20 years mm. because some of the books sit on uh, you know people who love reading war and and uh, yeah. refugees and i think my book's more really inspirational yep. rather than refugee story or that yep. more inspirational. i think so too yeah yeah thank you so do you want to tell us a little bit about your involvement in the sbs program go back to where you came from uh, yes um go back to where you came from there was a show happened before the one i, d- I did the ones with celebrity and uh, mm. the australian but there was a one ordinary people was one before me mm-hmm. and then I was watching and I was shocked to what I was l- yeah. really like it was me too. Pe- people were saying did you watch the first one I the f- think so yeah yeah the first one is a young woman who's unemployed she's 21 and saying these refugees they're taking over Australia oh and I thought gosh. oh you know this is and I was very disappointed but I didn't mm-hmm. think anything of it yep I was working city of Whittlesea as a youth worker and and there's a email came through a friend of mine sent it and the producers contacted me and said he's looking for a Somali family yep. who's been in Australia for t- uh, 10 years and I've been here longer than that at yep. the time uh, very long and then I said to him look I can find you someone and he came and, and we looked for it and I, we're having a chat and he said do you want to do it yourself and I said no I'm, I'm being established you know I think mm-hmm. you need to find someone who's really uh, I said I'm not struggling or anything yep. he said no and I, I tell you one thing though I, I learned a lot what you know refugee it becomes more identity than so you know you can use it in a positive yep. way like yeah. you guys are doing yep. really absolutely i'm very proud of you what are you doing well, thank so you. i'm the right person to say because i do it every day you just kind of make me happy that there's a lot of people like me it's not only me running around and telling stories but mm-hmm. other people are doing so yeah. go back i've done it and then the good and the bad side there's not bad at all but to think now everything's good like 99% people are so positive. People saying you're brave and, and didn't know what brave mm. was, you know. Mm. Well, I knew what brave is, but I didn't think that something to come out and, and talk about it. Yeah. Some of the negative I had was, uh, oh, how come you bought a nice house? And, and it's quite silly because, um, you know, in Australia, it's a quite, if you work hard and you're educated, you can do whatever you want to do. But, right. but you don't listen to those type of people. But then now I realized bad publicities can be good because they're thinking about it. People exactly. are often yeah. negative and they're saying, oh, how these girls can, you know, how they, what they're doing. You work so hard, as good as everyone else, you know. <laughs> All these radio presenters who worked for last how many years work, same as you. There's no difference. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot. I've grown up within, I, I think, I'm not exaggerating, but mm-hmm. I think I've grown 20 years 
earlier than I should have because <laughs> you know I go places so you know I go to airports and people said oh you empty I said oh who else you know? <laughs> and then they give me free latte and I thought oh, oh it's gosh. good to be famous sometimes you know? <laughs> and I'm joking but um, one of the best things for me is I get paid to do the job it's not about the money but if you're getting paid means then you can do it longer That's yeah right. so I'm getting paid but also I'm changing people's view about something they will never have the chance to. That's right. So one of the things that I love my job is just I go there, talk about myself, talk about people who's really come from a refugee background, why they left and how they left. And every story is different. Mm-hmm. But in general, people are coming here because they fear for their lives. So, That's right. And a lot of my people that I know who's refugee background, they don't want to talk about it. Not everyone's three of us sitting here and talking about it's actually they're not brave enough yep. mm-hmm. to come and say nothing wrong. You can be an engineer, you can be a mathematics, I can be an author if I wanted to. But at the end of the day, storytelling is, especially young women, uh, the world's changing. And my mother growing up, she was a feminist. I mm-hmm. didn't know what it meant at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's why I really respect any gender, any religion, anything I'll support. As long as people, the freedom and makes them happy, why not? Everyone has the same rights to, to right. live. and It doesn't matter what your background is. That's right. Mm. That's exactly what our show embraces as well. Yeah. yeah. You should be encouraged, but also, you know, and I, I try not to contradict myself. Mm-hmm. Like if people saying, oh, you know, we wanted this and this and that, I said, why not? You know, y- everyone have right to exercise your beliefs in your, not beliefs as a religion, but if you just say you meet people, you, you want to be free rather than you follow what they tell you to do. And, That's right. And, and, and you are really a nice person when you do the right thing. I do the right thing means I chose to. So I do the right thing and the worlds get better mm-hmm. rather than being forced to do. Yes. So I always encourage people to do whatever they want to do mm-hmm. and you know go from there so, but yeah I'm so happy being here today and mm-hmm. coming to see you guys yeah. oh, thank, thank you, you. Yeah. we really appreciate it I really like the point about how you said that not many refugees are brave enough to present their story yeah. um, what would you say to them to support them in coming forward and sharing yeah. their story one of the thing is that obviously that a lot of refugees have a problem with confidence. Yep. Uh, people don't have the confidence to come out and even say, like when you hear people saying things, even someone to say, no, that's not what they like. You know, that's actually itself an activism. If you mm-hmm. stop someone or don't agree with them, even if you're scared of not agreeing, it's actually one of the best thing to do. So mm-hmm. I think most of our advice, a lot of refugees come to Australia, should be able to be involved what Australia offers, mm-hmm. such as we're doing radio today. Every time I do something different, like being go back to where you came from, inside ABC, uh, writing a book, there's so much to do. There's so much. There's no. We're not short for successes, Mm -hmm. and then. But refugee uh, people lost so much confidence. Mm -hmm. So to build their confidence, and then the choices come after. Yep. So to be a confident is do a lot of volunteers. Get involved in your community. Don't feel you're lesser than other people. Mm-hmm. Actually, people don't see it that way. You know how you think something people are thinking about yourself? Yep. They're not actually thinking like that. Mm-hmm. They only see what you do. If you're confident, you're in the group. If you're not, you miss out. Yep. doesn't matter whether you're born Australian or refugee. Yep. So you just have to remember confidence. Take opportunities. 
a lot of refugee people, what they do is when they come to Australia, someone does a childcare, everyone does childcare. Yeah. Someone offers a milk bar, they open the taxi driving, everyone does. 21 years old young man, why drive a taxi? Nothing wrong with taxi, but yep. you can do study youth work. Yep. You know, youth work, you don't have to be academic in it. I mm-hmm. did academic away, but you know, you don't have to be academic. A young woman who wants to be open her own business, why wouldn't you start from just the start? Get 50 people, call up and say, mm-hmm. can you buy my thing and do it? So confidence, get involved, take opportunities and mm-hmm. don't be scared. Yeah. A Somali guy said to me once, oh, Abdi, you know, you're talking about a lot of bad things about Somalia. You're exposing. I said, you've already been exposed. you already <laughs> got a name, refugee. Yep. You, you might want to call yourself, oh, I come from Syria, from Iraq, from Somalia. you already got the name of refugee anyway. Mm-hmm. So don't be scared. So at the end yep. of the day you should have able to take opportunities that you have in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't abuse my power. It means that I respect, I respect you guys okay. equally. Mm-hmm. So it means that you can learn, I'm confident. And, when, and then when you grow up, then you see the world in a better place. You know, yep. you see men like me in a not negative way. Mm-hmm. So everything I do, I want you to learn and be able to become a better person. Mm-hmm. And also, what advice would you offer for people who aren't refugees and how to support and understand and respect their point of view? Other people um, who are not, who have no idea about what refugees are or mm-hmm. what they go through, I think they should often uh, do inclusive. The first thing you can do, people often say, oh, they should jobs and that. Well, people can't give you jobs because they're struggling jobs too. But the thing is inclusive. Yep. being inclusive and not mentioning too much about your background. Yep. I don't need people to mention all the time. What's it like in Somalia? I've lived here a very long time. I don't even remember. You know? <laughs> but uh, more inclusive. And don't do over the top where you say, oh, come and eat food, but what about after the food finishes? Mm-hmm. So the inclusive has to be ongoing, continuous, yeah. yep. and friendship. And I think inclusive is probably the best way. And when it comes to volunteer, give other people opportunity, you know. That's right. People from newly arrived refugee, you just need a time. You'll mm-hmm. get used to the stuff. And, and same as, you know, people with disability, you know, you have to include them. You know, there's no, you know, you have to respect them. And so I'll probably say people who don't know anything about refugees should be helping them to be their community and welcoming warm. Mm-hmm. And if someone, I trust them. And the other thing is a trust. Yep. If we don't trust people, it's very hard. Sometimes I might feel uncomfortable, but I try to trust and not what I'm thinking of myself. Mm-hmm. And again, it becomes more confidence in that. But Australia is a really good country. If I left Somalia and I lost everything, Australia is probably the best country for me because i become individual. I, that I lost my confidence. Who would have thought I'd do public speaking? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I got all the way to, uh, just say, Sydney or Darwin and, and do a school there. You know, 3,000 people a week, meeting so many people. I learn and learn and learn. What's the point being a doctor, but you're not confident? Mm-hmm. I always say to young people who want us to become a doctor in engineering, all the newly arrived love to do that, even if their English is not up to there. Mm-hmm. But I always say to them, it's good that do that, but remember, do you really like doing it? Because mm-hmm. it's a long hours. But also, it's good to be realistic. I know your parents tell you to do and that. But you need to do something you love doing. That's right. And I make the difference of talking to a lot of people. That's right. What plans do you have set for the future? 
I really love to answer that question. <laughs> but if I answer one thing, but what about if I got another opportunity? Oh, so yeah. for my future, it's now I just do what I'm doing mm-hmm. and I like to get involved. You know, I like storytelling, documentaries, films. I'll probably go to documentaries uh, telling story that way. Mm-hmm. I just have to really work on what I'm doing now. Finish my book, my second mm-hmm. book, which should be released February. Mm-hmm. But um, finish that and then do some documentaries and then really doing the public speaking because I really love doing. I start doing a stand-up comedy, storytelling. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite fun. I've never, I actually never thought, you know, I had a three gigs on November and they all booked ads and it was really good. And I thought, oh, because they've been asking uh, two years for the comedy Melbourne mm. to do Melbourne Comedy Festival two years I was saying no <laughs> so the future to answer your question I really love to answer your question but I'm just enjoying everything comes my way mm, and the next time I'm exactly. sitting here I'll be doing something else yeah <laughs> but uh, you'll be asking me so yeah the future is very bright I love it the other thing I was going to say one of the futures uh, future I like about my future is my confidence mm-hmm. I love who I am I I know exactly what I want Mm-hmm. It's a very hard. You guys, I hope it comes sooner. It comes better. Mm-hmm. Once you know what you're doing, life every single day. Like three years ago, it went like that. It's just quick because I'm enjoying it. But before that, I struggled. Uh, you know, you're not sure what you're going to do, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that type of thing. But and more risk, good risk, not a bad. More risk you take about. If someone said to you, do you want to write your story and you feel uncomfortable, you, you call me and say, what do you think? You get a lot of research done and do it mm-hmm. because don't be scared of. I always say people, things that make you a bit uncomfortable, your belly feels funny and you that, that's actually success. Mm. When you feel that, because you're going to change that mm-hmm. and you are a better person than you were before. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about your second book that's releasing in February? Yeah, my second book, because my first book, a couple of chapters were a bit graphic for, yep. the, for the young readers. Yep. And then I've been, people have been telling me, and I don't like missing out. I just, I love to be involved everywhere. I didn't want to write, but I decided to write a children's book. Then they can read it before mm. the war yep. at Somalia when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit about the war. So it doesn't talk about a war. It's a little memoir. So mm-hmm. it's like when I was growing up. And mm-hmm. someone that's was great. reading the other day just to check, you know, reading. And they thought it was funny. And I thought, oh, that's just my life. <laughs> Maybe I'm a funny guy, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's all about young uh, storytelling again. And I really appreciate you meeting you. And, and I want you to do the same, you know, mm-hmm. if one day. And you said you wanted to study, you know, media and yeah. study. But do it on the side. My hobby become the highest pay. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So I was a youth worker. I loved the youth work, but I was only reaching 10 kids a term. Yep. Now I'm reaching like a lot. People will come up to me, would you believe this? People said, I've never thought refugees were funny. <laughs> oh, they will come oh and say, I've never met one before. So did you come by boat or by plane? And I said, well, which one do you prefer? They said by plane. Well, I came by plane then. You know? <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, how come people think of you? You're so different. Because I thought I was a normal, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, normal doesn't mean anything, yep. but I'm a human being. Yep. So it's a very confronting things I hear, but I love it. That's what, what's the point being there if you're not making the difference? That's so right. From there. That's such a good quote. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> On point. Is there anything? The other thing I was going to say is that um, when you are applying jobs or 
that just be confident because yep. if you speak yeah if you speak another language it took me a long time if you speak do you speak another language yeah, speak yeah. Arabic. yeah if you speak another language means you actually far advanced mm-hmm. like i didn't know when i came to australia mm-hmm. i was hiding my language yeah but uh, now yeah it just means that your experience your culture and yep. the way you treat people so you just remember mm-hmm. that you are value you know value yourself as yep. one of the thing it took me again a long time mm-hmm. to value myself yep. uh, and that's uh, most of the people like ourselves it's just cases where you know you lose your confidence and especially the parents mm-hmm. you know my mother now lives in australia who uh, she was most confident person in somalia but she, now she's not mm-hmm. and it's a normal thing yep. to be able uh, to become but i i just decided I want to make the difference. Uh, to be honest with you, I just I would love my job. I was doing really assessing young people, youth work. I could have got another higher position than that, but for me, I own my own business. So mm-hmm. the other thing I can add to that yep. is, you know, you can make money, but you can also be proud. You know, I, there's so many things I do and, you know, I I sponsor a lot of basketball teams, uh, mm-hmm. soccer teams, if anyone wants to do young girls doing something that always contributes and giving uh, people ideas are better than giving money mm-hmm. so if you give them ideas and they can do it themselves yep. yeah so you know getting there and and having your own boss and i worked for local government for 13 years mm. so and when i left people were saying oh you know are you sure you want to leave i said yeah i got another opportunity see you later <laughs> yeah why not you know i said i'm sad leaving but if i never do it I'll never I'll never be happy. Mm, so. Always be thinking about it. Yeah. Like not one people say be happy is good and that but it's good to be proud of yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think the other word people don't say is happy also what's that mean? Means to be proud of yourself. So that was Refugees on Air with your host Sarah and Maya and today we've had the very special guest on Abdi. I thank you so much Abdi for coming in today and sharing your story. We found it really inspirational. You're a very fantastic worker and just person overall. Really glad we got to hear your story and um, hear to all our the listeners ad- as well. advice from you. Yeah, really appreciate it. You have a really great mindset as well on where you're going in life. and we really needed that <laughs> thank you very much and I, i think you guys also you're doing really fantastic work and very, i'm very proud but also you. you learn people yeah exactly. so thank you very much thank you.